Heavenly Father, we come before you, we come before your word, we uh, thank you so much for it. It's, um, it's a beacon of light to our souls and, and uh, in every aspect of our living. May, it, um, may your light shine upon us, may it fill our hearts and give us joy and help us to uh, live in this world and flourish according to your plan and design. Love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the topic for this morning is, um, is called Jesus, High Priest of a Better Covenant. And it comes from a portion of scripture from Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 to 13. So it's the whole chapter, only 13 verses. So here it is. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest... One who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. A minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this high priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all note me from the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, He makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. I did um, intend to um, preach on fellowship this morning, but I come across the covenant and I thought, well, though they might be different, they are similar in many ways. And you'll see as we go along, how they are similar. And before we um, get to that, I'd like to start with a little bit of background. So 
So I have an outline, and we'll just follow the outline, outline as we go. So we'll start off with a bit of background. Uh, background to the text, because um, Hebrews wasn't written for a community of um, Gentile Christians. It was written for a community of Hebrew Christians. So we need to put that in context. We're going to understand how this um, chapter fits in to the whole book. Okay? So this chapter is a portion of an exposition on Jeremiah chapter 31, from verses 31 to 34. And this is where Jeremiah uh, brings up the idea of a new covenant. Okay? An exposition is just simply an explanation. To exposit means to explain. So um, here the writer of Hebrews is just explaining what was written by Jeremiah. The exposition begins in chapter 8 and it extends all the way to chapter 10. So this is only one portion of that exposition, all the way to chapter 10, verse 18. And it primarily focuses on how the new covenant promised in Jeremiah is superior to the old covenant law. Okay, and that's that specific focus. It is also part of a larger portion in Hebrews, which starts from chapter 4, verse 14, all the way to chapter 10, verse 18. So, and this portion explains the superiority of Christ's high priesthood and his priestly ministry. So here's how we start from the chapter. It gets bigger and extends to a couple of chapters, several chapters, and now let's have a look at what it means throughout the entire book. And this portion, this chapter, is part of a letter to a community of Hebrews encouraging them to believe that God provided them a perfect priest and sacrifice in Christ. You know, when I was travelling in Europe back 10 years ago now, no, more than 10 years ago, um, I would always hear the word super, super. I'd always hear it, toya super, when I was travelling in Serbia. It just means, that's awesome. Well, this is the right, the right of Hebrews is just saying, you know, Christ is super, Christos is super. He's just superior to absolutely everything in, in the Old Testament. Okay, and you would have read, we read earlier that what was in the Old Testament is only a copy and a shadow of what Christ did in his ministry and life. So um, the writer makes um, many comparisons between the Old Testament and the ministry of Christ throughout the entire book. And again, the focus of this is to demonstrate how Christ's ministry is better in every way. How everything is fulfilled and complete. And in the case of Hebrews 8, Christ is the mediator of a better covenant from a better location that is in heaven with better promises. Not just temporal ones, but eternal ones. So much so that the old covenant has become obsolete. It's vanishing away. Now, we've used this word covenant a lot. So what is a covenant? I think it would be good to, um, to understand it um, and see how it fits in within all of Scripture. Okay, look at some old covenants from the Old Testament and why we need a new one and so forth. So what is a covenant? A covenant is simply a formal agreement or relationship between two parties. It's a formal agreement or relationship between two parties. Okay? Um, for example, a marriage is a covenant. We take vows, we make a formal agreement. Okay? Um, 
And when the two become one, they become a family. They have children. And throughout the years, there's always a bit of giving and a taking. We make promises. We make commitments. But it's a covenant. We are one. It's formal. It's a relationship. Okay? And that's how it's seen in the Old Testament as well. It's seen, it can be seen as a partnership with promises and commitments agreed upon. So you can't have a covenant with just one person. It needs to be more than one. Where one might make promises uh, the other, for the other to commit, or vice versa. Okay? But it's always agreed upon. So it's an agreement, it's a relationship, it's a partnership. And in the Old Testament, there are four covenants that God makes with uh, people. Four covenants. There are more between people, but I don't want to get into that. I want to get into the ones where God makes uh, covenants with people. Okay? Where he's making that, that relationship between them, uh, defining the terms, the promises, the commitments, and so forth. And before I get into them, I just want to bring a little bit of context as to why God um, established these covenants. Uh, if you would think, if we go back to the garden um, where God created everything, and when he's, as He created everything, everything was good, and when He came to man, to humanity, and He put His a reflection of himself on humanity. What he's doing there is he's saying that I want to partner with you in making this world what I intended it to be. So it's a partnership. So God intended to partner with humanity. And he gave us his image. He put his image on us, a reflection of himself, so we can do that with him. Otherwise, if we didn't, we'll probably be just like the animals, just based on instinct. But he gave us so much more than that. However, what man decided to do, what humanity decided to do, was to take this image, to take this reflection of who God is, and define it in our own terms. And to say, I don't need to partner with God. I can do it on my own. And so God decides to have these covenants with certain people, with certain groups of people, to try to bring humanity back to that partnership, to that covenant relationship that he intended right from the very beginning. So we're going to look at four of them. There are four covenants that God makes in the Old Testament. Okay. To Noah, to Abraham, to Israel, and then to David. And these are fairly specific. This is what I mean by that is that God says, I'm making a covenant with you. And it's just like, that's it. That's it. It's very specific. So let's start with Noah. So we all know the story. Since creation, everything went bad. People were bad, and God said, I regret making humanity. I'm going to wipe them away. But, um, but Noah said, hey, 
why are you doing this? Isn't it? I'm faithful to you. Come on. And God says, okay, let me just spare a small lot of people and start again. So God cleansed the world of humanity's corruption with a flood. That's what he intended to do. And then after the flood, he made a covenant with Noah, with Noah's descendants and all living creatures, promising to never again destroy the earth with a flood. So what God is doing is coming to this partnership with humanity once again and saying, look, I'm not going to destroy all of you again with water, with a flood. Okay? And I'm going to put a bow in, my, in the sky so you can see. And I'll remember, every time that bow is in the sky, God says, I will remember my covenant. So God is making the covenant with Noah. God is partnering with humanity to continue with his purpose in creation. Okay? And humanity is commanded to continue to flourish. Okay? That's um, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, etc. Go about like it was from the beginning. Let's restart. Okay, the second um, covenant is uh, with Abraham. So God chooses Abraham and says, look, you need to go to another land. I'm going to bless you there. I'm going to promise you uh, descendants that will um, outnumber the stars or the grains of sand in the entire world. He promised to bless him with a large family and give him a portion of land so they can flourish. Okay, it's a partnership. This is God's making promises um, and Abraham is asking Abraham for certain commitments. And God asks Abraham to trust him and to teach his family to do what is right and what is just. Okay? Um, and this was to bring blessing to all, to all of the families in the world through this one family. So God made a covenant, God made a partnership with Abraham and his family um, Gave him promises, asked Abraham to commit. Okay, it's a formal agreement between God and Abraham. Now, the third one is with Israel. And this is, um, you can find this in, well, the first two we find in, in Genesis, and this one we find in Exodus. So God establishes a covenant with the tribe of Israel. And Israel is required to obey a set of laws and guidelines on how to live in the community of God's partners. God is partnering with Israel. So it's not just a family. Family become a massive tribe, or many tribes, actually. They start to become a nation. And God says, okay, look, I'm making a covenant, and here is, um, here's what I require of this nation. Okay, obey the laws, the guidelines, these laws and guidelines will give you uh, principles um, on how to live and to flourish in this world. Okay? World of God's partners. Um, God promises to bless them so that they can become a people that represent God to the rest of humanity. Okay? And that's God's promise there. And that's the covenant with the nation Israel. And then God also makes one with David. This is found in 2 Samuel. God asked David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. Again, the focus is on doing right and just. Um, 
some terms that we uh, read a lot of in the Old Testament is righteousness, justice, um, as uh, many laws, many laws uh, to obey. And this is all about um, equipping humanity to partner with God so that humanity can flourish. Okay. So God, um, this is what is required um, of of D- David to lead Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. God also promises that one of David's descendants would come and extend God's kingdom of blessing and peace to all the world. So that's God's promise to David, that a descendant, that one person, that descendant will come okay, and extend God's kingdom of blessing and peace to all of the world. So these are the four covenants made in the Old Testament. One with Noah, one with Abraham, one with uh, Israel, and one with David. So why do we need a new covenant? You might ask. I mean, aren't they all good? I mean, God is just partnering with humanity and so that um, all of humanity can flourish and live according to God's design, God's purpose, God's plan. Why do we need a new one? Well, if, if you've read more of the um, story of Israel, um, you'd find out that the people of God broke the old ones. They broke them. They worshipped other gods. Uh, they allowed horrible injustice. Um, they lost the land and they were forced into exile a number of times. Um, the covenants, the commitments that the people of God were to follow were broken. And there are many examples throughout the Old Testament of this. I won't get into any of them, but um, there are many examples. And um, the other reason is the Old Covenant had fault. The fault is that no one can commit to a covenant with God without eventually breaking it. Okay? And you can see the whole sacrificial system was to, was so that um, the people of God can atone for their sins. Okay, um, they would sin, and then a sacrifice need to be in place of that sin because sin requires death. Therefore, the death was that sacrifice. But here in the book of Hebrews, we find out that that's only a shadow, only a copy of the true, true sacrifice, the one of Christ dying on the cross. So the old covenant had fault. No one could keep it perfectly. And there was this whole system of constantly sacrificing animals just to recommit to that that covenant. Um, Why do we need a new covenant? Um, Well, the old one is not perfect. And no one was perfect enough to live by it perfectly. Okay? No one could live by it perfectly. Again, it's the same idea. The people of God broke the old ones. God established a covenant with people, but the people could not keep it perfectly. Um, The old covenant is only a shadow of the new one. There's got to be something better out there, something more complete, more full. And we need a new covenant because... The old one was enacted on earthly promises and the new one on heavenly promises. So we don't need one that's just here on earth. We need one that's bigger than that. Um, 
And these promises are much better promises. Much, much better promises. So that's why we need one. We've just, we continually break them. I mean, think about it. I mean, I spend a lot of my time with my family. And um, even though it's not a formal, as formal as a covenant is, I make certain agreements, which I call deals with my children. Okay? And it's not, it's not a deal so that I can get what I want out of the child. I'm not doing that. It's a partnership because what I want is I want, I might want a certain improved behavior, but I know he can't do it on his own. Rowan or maybe Emily, maybe they can't do it on their own. So I need to make a deal where I make a promise and I meet and fulfill a certain aspect. Okay? And they are to commit as well to that. It's, it's not as formal as a covenant, but this is a kind of agreement. And we do it every, every day, but it's not perfect. I can't live by it perfectly. My children can't either. Um, it could be with friends. Um, the same situation could happen with friends. Um, I remember reading an article some time ago. I can't remember who it's by. Um, but this was a youth pastor uh, writing about covenant friendship and encouraging... Um, the, the kids in youth group in his location to um, establish some sort of covenant friendship between one another where they do have some sort of formal agreement because friendship is, is a hard thing um, uh, and it can be quite challenging to, to try to um, define what it is and a lot of the times it can be quite loose and, and willy-nilly and people get in trouble um, and yeah, so the writer was saying, let's, let's establish a, a covenant between friends so that they can say, hey, it's not just me going about trying to work this out on my own. It's, we are working on it together. It's a partnership. Okay? Remember, covenant is not just that legal um, document that, or that formal agreement. It's a relationship. It's a relationship, and I think that should come first and foremost Whenever we uh, look at covenants, uh, whether it be between God and man or, or between people, um, it's more important that we focus on the relationship and how we um, make those agreements together. And, uh, yeah, so in this world, nothing will be perfect, nothing will be complete, and we need, um, we need a better covenant. We need a new covenant. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying, that Christ, he's the mediator of a new and better covenant. Okay. And let me explain. Christ is God clothed in flesh. Okay. We would have sung that at Christmas time. I can't remember which hymn, Christmas hymn it is. But um, we uh, learn about God incarnate. Well, that's just basically God um, clothed in flesh. He is 100% God and 100% man. Okay. So he's 100% God, put on 100% man. Um, he is, that is, Christ is from the family of Abraham, okay? And he brings blessing from that family to that world. So that's the, if we look at the first one where he's um, clothed in flesh, well, his son of man, his humanity, and that could represent the, the, the covenant God made with Noah. 
that God, not just with Noah, but his descendants, so pretty much all, all living creatures. God made a covenant with all living creatures. And now this time, God is coming and representing that. He represents the family of Abraham, bringing blessing from that family to the world. While he, Christ, is the faithful Israelite who truly obeyed the law, perfectly, completely, without flaws, without fault. He is the king from the line of David, extending God's kingdom of peace and justice. So we need a new and better covenant because we need someone to complete all that's at fault with all the old ones. And here God comes in, steps in as man in our place. Okay? Steps in as a man in our place, bridging the gap between all these covenants. And this is why Christ is the mediator of a new and better covenant. Humanity fails to live in a covenant relationship as God's partner. Christ steps in to be that true partner in our place. Christ and God partner together. They partner together, Christ, in our place. Put an end to the whole sacrificial system because his death and resurrection was so perfect that there was no need for any other one. It was so complete, faultless, without blemish. And Christ is that bridge between us and God. And now we can all partner with Christ as Christ partners with God. Jesus Christ is the high priest of a new and better covenant. He went into that temple as the throne room of God, not made with hands of people. Not here on earth, not, but in heaven. And he didn't go in there with a little bell on his, his body because um, in the um, Holy of Holies, the mo- most holy place, well, if anyone um, has ever done any research of the, um, the old temple, there was a holy place and then there was another portion that only the high priest can go in, the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. And he goes in there once a year with a bell on him, because um, just in case he drops dead, if, if there were any um, sins that he didn't um, atone for, he might go in there and just drop dead. So if the bell stops ringing, then maybe something went wrong, and so people can go in and see what happened. But the high priest goes in, sprinkles a bit of blood on the seat, and goes out. But here, Christ goes in, not, not the earthly one, but the heavenly one sits down. Because he doesn't have to come back and do it again. It's done. He sits down at the right hand of God where God is. And, and this is why this is so much a better covenant. Christ is the high priest of the new and better covenant, mediating where we cannot living the perfect life in our place 
dying the death we deserve and partnering with God on our behalf to create a new humanity, one in line with God's plan and purposes. Let's all um, bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we are truly grateful for your Son, Jesus, the true mediator of a better covenant, a new covenant with you. And may we partner with him and with you and extend your plan of salvation to the world. And may your light shine through us and through your word. We thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for blessing us with it. We pray and encourage um, that uh, the Holy Spirit um, fill our hearts this week and continue to stir us up to, um, to good works. Um, not because uh, the good works save us, but because we know that they please you. And we pray and ask that this week as we go about um, our daily activities that um, can help us to understand um, not just the, the formal aspect of covenant relationships, but uh, even the informal ones, as we make decisions, may we all be partners with one another. May we all be that, the, the enact, enacting the promises and commitments that you've given us towards one another so that we can flourish, not just in church, but out, outside the church as well, and uh, that your kingdom may flourish in this world. May, um, may your peace extend to the world. May your righteousness and justice be everywhere. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Eddie.